You are listening to the podcast of the Y Church of the Elk River YMCA in Minnesota. Our mission is to seek Jesus, connect together, and share his love. All right, we're going to turn to scripture now. Heather is going to read for us. We're going to read the first six verses of Genesis 15. And you can follow along and then keep that open as we'll look at this text this morning. Good morning. Genesis 15, 1 through 6, the Lord's covenant with Abram. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is of your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said, So shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. Amen. Thanks, Heather. Well, I like all the seasons. Esther and I lived in Southern California for six years or so total, and it kind of got boring, believe it or not, when it was uh, 75 and sunny every single day all year round. And so I enjoy living somewhere where we have seasons, and fall is my favorite. A couple of my kids and I went to a soccer game yesterday to cheer on a Y Church kid in Otsego in her soccer match. And I had one of those free uh, birthday drinks to use at Caribou. So we went through the drive-thru. And I saw one of the pictures on the menu that looked really good. So that's what I ordered. I had to write down the name of it here. I ordered a pumpkin espresso shaker with oat milk. And one of my girls said, as my middle girls, we call them, the fifth grader said, Daddy, what's that? And I said, actually, I don't know, but it's got the word pumpkin in it and the word espresso, and that sounds good to me. (laughs) So we had a great time yesterday cheering on a little soccer player. Well, we're into our fall series now in September and October. We are in the book of Genesis in a series that we're calling Abraham's Reward. Today we get to the very passage from where we pull that title, chapter 15. We started off in chapter 12, where we have the call of Abram. God finds Abram and calls him to leave his home and come to a new place without a map, without a plan that's laid out. And I just was thinking about if God called me to move to a new part of the country, to pack up the moving truck, to sell our house and go, and that he was going to show us our destination as we went, that would be quite the call. That's what Abram did, and that was chapter 12. Chapter 13 was last week, and we had Abram and his nephew Lot who were needing to separate their two tribes. They'd gotten so big, they couldn't graze all their livestock together, and it was causing problems. And so Abram, to resolve that conflict, gave his nephew first choice of the land. And of course, Lot took the best. That means Abram got the leftovers, but he got the leftovers with God's blessing. And God told him to walk the land because one day he would, in fact, give him the whole thing. 
So that's a little backdrop. Today we come to chapter 15 and a different aspect of God's word to Abram, the promise of a family. You see, when God called Abram in chapter 12, he made four promises to him. The first was land. The next was family or offspring, it says in chapter 12. Then there's the blessing on Abram and his descendants. And God says, the fourth one, is he's going to use this family to bless all the peoples of the earth. So we get to chapter 15, and Abram, as time carries on, is saying, Lord, what about this family? He and his wife had been waiting for years by this point on this promise that they'd have a child. And it's not happening. For years and years, and they're getting up there now in years, and this setting is what is crucial for the chapter that we'll look at today. This story is all about trust and faith. What does it mean to believe God and to walk with Him even when you cannot see the good things that He says are in store? So as we pick up the story and start the chapter, we read in 15, and just the very first little phrase here, Genesis 15, 1, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. There's a lot of good stories that begin with a word from the Lord, and that is just as true today as it was back then. God still speaks to us. He does that in Scripture, in the book that we have open in front of us. He does it in our prayer time and in listening. He does it in the promptings of the Holy Spirit, and yes, even by way of visions and dreams. These are not just old Bible things. So I want to encourage you to be open to hear the word of the Lord, to ask Him to speak, that God would give you vision as He gave it to Abram. What also catches my eye, and that's what I highlighted on the screen for us, is the first two words, after this. So when we read something like this, probably is good to ask ourselves, after what? especially if we're just picking it up in chapter 15. Maybe the time marker has some significance and there's some connection. So I want to just briefly describe to you what happens in chapter 14, and you can follow along. There's a heading over the top, at least in our edition of the Bible, added by the editors, that says, Abram rescues Lot. And sure enough, if you were to look at it, Abram goes to battle to save Lot, who got caught in the crossfire when the city of Sodom was attacked. And you might remember from last week that Lot had made his camp there. That's where they were. Then we read in verse 17, after Abram returned from defeating Kedor Laomer and the kings allied with him, the king of Sodom came out to meet him. Then verse 18, then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. What does that sound like that we just shared in together? It's foreshadowing communion. It says he was a priest of God Most High. He comes out bringing bread and wine, and he blessed Abram. So then we have the words of the blessing in chapter 14. And then look at verse 20. It says, then Abram gave him a tenth of everything, which caught my attention because this is the first mention that we have of tithing in the Bible, giving 10%. And it comes this early. Tom Jurgen spoke to this, our model of giving here. So Abram gives his offering, and then verse 21, the king of Sodom said to Abram, give me the people and keep the goods for yourself. So what is he doing? He's offering a big gift, a finder's reward. Remember, it was Sodom that had been one of the places that was attacked. 
And so the king of Sodom is saying, all right, well, give me back the people. You can keep all the goods that they stole from us. That's a big payout. But in the back of your mind, you might remember some of what happened earlier in the story, that Sodom was a notoriously wicked place. We highlighted that in two places in the chapter last week. And Abram wants nothing to do with it. Verse 22, But Abram said to the king of Sodom, With raised hand I've sworn an oath to the Lord that I will accept nothing belonging to you, not even a thread or the strap of a sandal. Pretty amazing response. So all that's by way of introduction to chapter 15, where it says, first two words, after this. And so we're asking ourselves, why is this so important? And here's why. It is no coincidence that the word of the Lord comes to Abram after he turns down a crooked king. This word of the Lord comes after he has turned down a very tempting million-dollar payout. It's like Daniel when he's seated at the king's table, if you remember that story. Daniel says, and Abram says here, I will not defile myself. I'm going to do it God's way. So the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision after all that had happened, and here's what God says to him. Keep that context in mind as we read this. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. I am your very great reward. The Lord does this so often in taking word pictures to describe himself to us. And here we have this beautiful imagery. I am your shield. What does that mean? It means that he is your protector, your defender. The Psalms are full of references to the Lord as our shield. And so we ask ourselves today as we receive this word in our time and place, what do I need to be shielded from these days? You might have a very keen awareness of that, the things that would come in and seek to attack you. But I also think back on my own life that God has probably been a shield to me so many times when I was completely unaware of the danger that I was in, completely unaware of some spiritual attack or some accident that could have happened, but he kept me safe. God says to Abram, and he says by application to you, I am your shield. And he says, I am your reward. Now, not just reward, but your very great reward. God's saying, I am your treasure. I am your provision. I am everything that you need. Remember that Abram had just turned down that get-rich-quick plan. The real reward, he knows, will come from heaven. And yet, even as he hears this, there's something God is referring to on earth for Abram as well. The word reward in the Bible, in the Old Testament especially, is often connected to children. We think reward, we think it's something that we earn and are recognized for. In the biblical context, it is a gift. Psalm 127 is an example. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward a gift from him. So Abram, here's this word, God saying, I am your very great reward. It's almost like Abram saying, oh yeah, that reminds me. That reminds me. Verse 2, but Abram said, sovereign Lord, what can you give me? What reward? Since I remain childless. And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. You've given me no children, 
so a servant in my household will be my heir. As you look at that response, I think probably some of the more unflattering moments in my life have begun with responses to God that begin with that same word, but. God speaks, but Bjorn said, and you can fill in your own name if you think it applies to you. Abram has a vision from God. God speaks these powerful words over him. Do not be afraid. I'm your shield, your great reward. But Abram said, au contraire. There it is. And what is Abram's complaint? What's the obstacle that he's seeing? In summary, it's that his servant is going to inherit his estate because he doesn't have any children. Eliezer of Damascus, he was probably a good guy. He was probably the lead servant. And this was in a time and place where servitude was common practice in their social structure. And if Abram were to have died that day, he knows by law that all of his estate will go to his servant. And we read these lines and you get the sense of Abram kind of throwing a pity party, don't you? There's, in, in the Hebrew, there's about 22 words in this section. And in the space of 22 words, Abram references himself seven times. Twice he tells God that he's childless, as if God needed the reminder. But Abram, in his defense, is looking at the biological clock, and he knows that time is running out. He and Sarai have been getting up there in years. By this point, we would consider them way up there in years. And from a human perspective, it just doesn't seem possible that they would still have this promised family. But that's the problem, is it's from a human perspective that they're seeing. And so God speaks into this, and look how graciously he responds in verse 4. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. And then God takes him outside in the passage, in a sense like to an outdoor classroom, And he says to him in verse 5, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. So shall your offspring be. The photo that I found for the slide backdrop, that's an actual photo, not taken by me, but taken by someone visiting the French Alps in honor of Max, our French foreign exchange student. And you imagine this hiker out there who just pulls out his or her phone and points and clicks because the Milky Way is spread out over the top of the Alps. Now for you and I to see the stars where we live, the real multitude of stars, it'd have to be a certain kind of night or you'd have to get up and out of the cities. But when you see them, if you have seen the sky just covered in stars, it is breathtaking. And there is no way, if you've seen it, you know, there's no way you can count it, which is what this passage is saying. But then there's God. Psalm 147 says, God determines the number of stars and calls them each by name. God says to Abram as he takes him outside to look, he says, see those stars? This is how big your family tree will be. So Abram, there's the human perspective Or there's God's perspective. Which one are you going to go with? Abram had been a little whiny and complaining earlier. 
He was doubtful, but God reminded Abram of just how capable he is. And Abram took the correction. Genesis 15, 6. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. This verse, Genesis 15, 6, is considered to be the very heart of the chapter. We don't have time this morning to read beyond it, but this is the bullseye of chapter 15. And it's the center of a chapter that people consider to be the center chapter of Abraham's whole story across Genesis. Some even call this verse the key verse of the entire Old Testament. It's so important, it is quoted on four different occasions in the New Testament. But it's important to point out, and the grammar makes it clear, that Abram didn't come to faith in this moment in Genesis 15.6. Verse 6 is not so much the result of what's just happened and now looking up at the stars, but this is about the status of Abram's faith. Hebrews 11 says that Abram left his home, that was back in chapter 12, in faith when God called him. So this is about Abram as a believer to whom God ascribes righteousness. And I want to ask you this word that we run into a lot in the Bible, what does it mean for someone to be a believer? What does it mean to believe? To believe means to trust in someone with confidence. You ever halfway trusted somebody before? Not so sure. This is to trust in someone with confidence. Related words, reliability, steadfastness, dependability. Have you had the joy of owning a car or truck that was just legendary in its dependability? What a quality that is. One of the best things you could ask for in a vehicle. You know you can drive this thing anywhere. It's not going to break down and leave you stranded. It starts up in the cold. You feel safe when you drive it in rain or snow. You watch the odometer hit 100,000, 200,000. Anybody 300,000? I feel like an auctioneer. Anybody? All right, we'll make it a goal. But that is dependable. Now let me ask you a serious question. Are the Minnesota Vikings dependable? (laughs) It's an 0-3 record, and I think they're on the road today. You think about this later when you're watching. God, on the other hand, is completely dependable, completely trustworthy. What He says He does, He never falters. He never fails. He never goes back on His Word. You can trust Him with full assurance That's what God was saying to Abram when he took him outside and said, look up at the sky, count the stars. Will I not do what I said? Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord credited it to him. That's tough to say, isn't it? The Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. What's righteousness? Righteousness is to conform to the standard. The correct action and attitude before God. Related words, goodness integrity, right standing. The word righteousness can be a little fuzzy for us on its own, hard to understand. And in our culture, in our language, righteousness is not a word that carries a lot of emotional weight. But look at some of these descriptors and it begins to take shape. Would you want to use a product 
that did not conform to the standard? Would you want to buy something that failed the inspection at the factory? Would you want to fly in a plane that does not conform to the engineer's standard? Or instead of a product, think about a procedure. Would you want to see a doctor or have a surgery from someone who had failed medical school? Standards are important. The correct action is important. Life depends on it. And here's the reality. The effect of sin in our life, the fallenness of human nature, means that we do not conform to the standard. God is looking for 100% goodness, 100% integrity, 100% right standing, and we don't have it, which is why he sent Jesus to do this for us, to be this for us, so that by faith, by believing, his righteousness can become our own. God gives it to us. He transfers Jesus' righteousness as a gift The only requirement is that you believe, that you trust in His Son. God is looking for faith. He will do the rest. Abram did not earn religious brownie points for doing the right thing, and so God looked at that, smiled upon it, and gave him righteousness. No, he believed what God said. That was evident in his action. That's called faith. And God called Abram righteous. And it's no different for you or for me. And we want to be so clear about this and repeat this again and again as we gather for worship. That when you die, you will not get into heaven because you were a pretty good person. If there is any hint of that in your mind, you've got to kick it out. That's not how it works. You will only get into heaven by having faith in Christ. That's what Abram did. He lived before Jesus, of course, before God the Son came to earth, but he lived very much by the same Christian faith that you and I are called to. He believed in the Lord, and God took care of the rest. God is calling you to trust him as he called Abram, even when you are waiting on his promises. In in Genesis 15, Abram is very much waiting. He can't see what God had said. The fulfillment of those promises looked a long way off. He complained about it. But God reassures him. And he calls you and I to receive this same word today. There's so much application for us out of Genesis 15. How are you being called to trust the Lord in greater ways today? What obstacle are you perhaps looking at through that human perspective that seems in your way? How is God speaking to you and taking you outside to show you the sky? I want to close by sharing the story about Pastor Benny. I met Benny a few years ago, actually, and now finally had the chance to see him for the first time in his home country in India when I was there on that mission trip. He was in my small group. We were assigned to the same small group at the YMCA Christian Mission Conference where one evening he shared this story. 
with our group. And we'll close with this. Years ago, when his daughter was three years old, they were at home in their small apartment. Benny, his wife, their three-year-old daughter. And Benny was reading, his wife was tending to something in the kitchen, and their daughter was playing. When all of a sudden, Benny heard this awful noise, this sickening sound. It was the sound of their daughter who had climbed up into the window on the first story of this apartment building and had fallen out down to the cement floor below. So Benny raced down outside to his daughter's side where she was laying in a heap and she was bleeding from both ears. Now, this is not the kind of place where you call an ambulance. And so Benny and his wife got on their moped. Many Indians do not have a car. They got on their moped. They call it a two-wheeler. And one of them's driving, and I think it's the wife is driving, and he's holding the three-year-old daughter. And as they're driving to the hospital, the daughter is vomiting. At the hospital, the doctor assesses this terrible situation. She's bleeding from the ears. She's vomiting. The doctor says the next thing that will come will be a coma as she has damaged her skull and has a traumatic brain injury. But he said we need to wait until the morning to do the scan and to see the extent of the damage. So Pastor Benny and his wife, they call their friends from church. Okay, they call their Y group, I suppose. And so a number of them come. Some of you remember Pastor Sam Stevens was one of them. He spoke here at the Y church not long ago. His wife Prati, other friends from church, they came and prayed over this three-year-old girl. And as they did, something very interesting happened in the hospital room. They had been assigned to a double room, so there's two patients. And the other bed is occupied by a baby with a brain fever, and the mother of that baby is there. And as they're praying, they watch as this woman, this mother, becomes severely agitated, physically disturbed, and starts screaming and is running out of the room, running back in the room, running out of the room. And it becomes evident to them that this woman has a demonic possession. So they wrap up the prayer time, and those friends head out. And as Benny and his wife head into the night, things settle down, and they're just praying, just hovering over their three-year-old daughter, praying almost inaudible whispers of prayers. Finally, this woman comes back over to them, and she pleads with them to stop praying. And they said, they said why? We're, we're, we're just praying so softly. And she said, yes but I can see your God standing next to you. They had no clue. They didn't see this. She says, I can see your God standing there. And when he's there, I feel like my whole body is on fire and I have to run out of the room, but I want to stay here with my baby. And they told her, they said, our God is powerful to heal. That's why we're calling upon him. We can tell him to take care of your baby. We can pray about your baby. And the woman wanted nothing to do with it and asked to be transferred out of the room. The next day, the doctors come back. They do the scans. And the results were just shocking. They were almost speechless as they looked at Pastor Benny and his wife and they said, we don't even see evidence that your daughter had a fall of any kind. Her brain is completely healthy. 
today that daughter's all grown up and is the mother of Benny's three grandsons. And I tell you that story for the same reason Benny told it to us. Because you need to have the assurance that God is trustworthy and true. God is calling you to trust him. Even in the worst of circumstances, he's calling you to faith and you can know that he will take care of the rest. Let's pray together. Lord, as we gather this morning, we thank you for our time in worship. We thank you for the ways that you teach us through your word. And Lord, I suppose across a room of people this size, there's all kinds of different measures of faith. And some of us feel a little wobbly this morning. Lord, maybe we have heard of your promises, but we're not sure if they're for us. Or we're not sure if you will really hold true. And we pray, Lord, this morning for one another that you would stir up greater measures of faith, that we would walk with you, that we would trust you no matter what comes. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of life and salvation in Christ that can never be threatened. We praise you, and we pray in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Y Church podcast. For more information about the Y Church, check us out online at thewychurch.org.